welcome back to another episode of the Conspiracy Skeptic. And I'm pretty sure, uh, I'm sure as long as any guess, I can use your actual full name. Carrie, yeah. yeah, Carrie, Carrie Poppy. Hello. Carrie Poppy. And uh, Carrie, you do a podcast called the, uh, um, that was it, the Oh No, It's Ross and Carrie show? <laughs> That's the most words I've heard added to the name. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's just called Oh No, Ross and Carrie, but I do hear Oh No, It's Ross and Carrie a lot. This is the first I've heard. The Oh No, It's Ross and Carrie show. Extravaganza. <laughs> I'll throw <laughs> that in next cake. time. <laughs> All right. And, oh, uh, oh, I'm sorry. That's the sound of my cuckoo clock, which will go off for another <laughs> 10 seconds. Do you want to wait for it? Yeah, no, no problem. No problem. Okay. Don't count... worry. This won't happen again for an hour. All right. Okay. So if you count by the number of cuckoos, right? Yeah. They'll know we are recording at Six o'clock sometime. That's I, right. I guess, but we'll reveal soon enough who six o'clock that is. Oh, and there now the little angels are dancing around. Oh, jeez. Did you steal this from a Japanese mall? <laughs> My boyfriend gave it to me for Christmas because I had one as a child and oh, okay. uh, I was never able to replace it, so. All right. Okay. Yeah. Boyfriend's paying attention. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah. So, so you do do you do a podcast called uh, Oh No, Ross and Carrie? That's right. Show extravaganza. Yes. 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 And, and describe what is what are your podcast all about? So we investigate fringe groups and fringe science. Basically, anything that makes an extraordinary claim, we try to go and investigate ourselves. So sometimes that means doing something relatively simple, like getting acupuncture or getting cupping and seeing if it really works. And sometimes it's a lot more involved, like going undercover at the Church of Scientology, which we just finished doing, or becoming Mormons after six months undercover. Uh, all sorts of the things you might find in the weird news section of your uh, Google search, we try to go and embed ourselves in. Right, yeah. I used to, the, I'm before sort of the internet... The the newspaper always used to have like the <clears throat> the weird news section and totally and, yeah and I I realized oh this is just this is like when non-white people get killed in horrible fashions like that it's always okay. sort of like that was like the the bulk of weird news like oh god know, bus That's goes terrible. over a cliff in India <laughs> uh, <laughs> moving on. You know? <laughs> That's, uh, there's probably a fair amount of that. Hopefully that's not what our show does, but, uh, I guess no. I'll let you be the judge. Yeah. So yeah, right. Yeah. So you're, uh, you kind of just wrapped up like how many parts is it? Six or nine parts or something? It's, it's nine. Yeah. Nine yeah. investigation episodes. There might be one or two follow-up interviews, but we're done with our part of actually immersing ourselves in Scientology. Right, okay, right, yeah. And, and just to sort of, uh, sort of highlight it we you, a lot of times you 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 basically just sort of embed yourself right into the group so you you'll go to like a a sikh temple or not that the sikhs are actually a weird fringe group they're they're i mean every right. yeah sikhs are like just really nice people well mormons Absolutely. are nice people right yeah yeah but oh yeah mormons actually were probably our favorite investigation of all time but uh the sikhs are great and you're right they don't fall under the heading of a fringe group really that was really early in our uh, in our podcasting, and not to say that we wouldn't do it again, but we kind of evolved to sort of figure out what exactly we liked covering the most, and I think it's ended up being more fringe groups. But you're right, we our, our basic rule of thumb is just anything that makes an extraordinary claim, and that could be Catholicism, right? It right, could right, be yeah. Any, yeah. anything that makes a claim beyond the here and now is pretty extraordinary. Yeah. And and you're pretty, like, you're not deceitful. Like, you don't go under false names and wear mustaches and things like that. Like, you you use yeah. your real names and stuff. And Yeah, that that's right. Now, now we do. There is one time that we used fake names, and A, it turns out we're very bad at it. I kept, <laughs> I kept calling Ross Ross, even yeah. though he had told them his name was Rob. Um uh, and yeah, it just, you know, it just didn't feel right. We felt like, well, if, if the whole point is us making sure you're on the up and up, then we should be as on the up and up as we can too. Yeah, exactly, and yeah. yeah. So, uh, so we, we tried that whole super undercover thing once and now we just, 
uh, we omit the fact that we're journalists and that we're covering this for a show, but we still give our real names. When I'm asked my uh, my job, I'll say I'm a journalist, and if they go and Google me, then they go and Google me. But a lot of times, they don't. But yeah, you kind of you hide in plain sight, right? That, that's always sort yeah. of. I think it was the it was the Ethereum Society, a, a favorite of mine. The, I did a podcast on the Ethereum Society. Oh, cool! Yeah, but the um, the I think they seem to be one of the few people that actually kind of maybe like Googled you guys or something like that. And, yeah, yeah, they did. They did right away, and um, uh, cleverly didn't tell us that they did. So that was really interesting because we were still attending their meetings and hanging out with them. And they knew, and we didn't know they knew. So, (laughs) yeah, by the time our episodes about them came out, we immediately got emails from them that were like, so we knew that you might be doing this the whole time. Um, (laughs) And, uh, yeah, they actually ended up coming on the show after that and uh, doing an interview with us. So that was great. Yeah, that that was the other interesting thing. Of all the people you've sort of investigated, they, they were the only ones who kind of like, it sort of yeah went on your your podcast and, and that was an interesting talk you had with them oh thanks yeah i was really glad they did because a lot of people turn us down um and understandably that's fine but you know we would love to hear anything we got wrong and also you know our perspective is uh, you know inherently going to be similar like ross and i are friends because we have similar perspectives and it's good to get that completely opposite point of view about the faith that for them is like the meaning of life yeah. And they're they're remarkably hard to rile up. Like like I mean I've been poking them with sharp sticks for for a couple <laughs> years now, and they are just like I mean I mean there are people who believe that you know Jesus was a Venusian, and and uh-huh. and and they've believed this for like like sixty years. So I mean they've 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 heard all the jokes, and you know, mm-hmm. and I, I think they're just and they just keep on keep on. Yeah, totally. They're and they're extraordinarily nice and very smart people. The people who who are in the high up levels there, like uh, Paul and Oscar, who came on our show, brilliant guys. I mean, you could never accuse them of just being out of touch. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, I would definitely recommend anybody go listen to that episode. And I haven't heard yours yet. I'll have to go listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was their sort of their their founder, George King, who, you know, passed on a, a number of years ago now yeah he was he, i mean what i found most amazing about that is that, like all of the the titles he tried he bought and <laughs> yeah. had awarded himself and it's 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 it's, it's comical it's and you, know, you had a great uh you had a great thing on your podcast where you know you were like watching some sort of like award show and and they're like and the winner of the venusian order of high merit is george king and the award of the saturn medal with starburst is George King. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. And also all these messages he got where they were telling him that he won all these things were transmitted through him. So we're really talking about him just sitting there in a chair and saying, oh, I am so-and-so giving an award to George King, which is just like the most hilarious image in my mind. Uh, it's It's like me sitting down and being like, I'm going to channel President Obama, and he says that I am the best person. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, it's just so bizarre. Yeah, I mean, and to sort of bring around back to the Scientology, the, uh, I mean, people don't sort of even really realize it that much about L. Ron Hubbard, but kind of in the early days, you know, he was doing sort of the same thing. He was like, you know, buying himself knighthoods and, and, and university degrees and, 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 and all sorts. He was, just, you know, sort of like, well, they, what do they call it? Um, um, Hagiography or something like that. Or, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sort of. I think that really sort of means like like writing biographies about saints in a not a very critical fashion, but also kind of just sort of means like, you know, pumping up your own legends or, or pumping yeah. up the legend of, you know, who, whoever you, you, you follow or something like that. Definitely. We went to the L. Ron Hubbard Life Exhibit Uh, for one of our episodes and there is this one area of the museum that is just his so-called awards and they're just they're all on these um, walls that kind of stack over each other and Mm -hmm. then the walls separate and it's very grand Uh, but I was I was getting really close to try to see what some of these awards were and some were literally letters from families that were just like hi we're Nancy and Kevin (laughs) and we just want to say that the Church of Scientology is wonderful and Elrond Hubbard is the best and we consider him you know the 
the honorary mayor of Greenville. Okay, thank you. You know, and they'd be like, here's my award for my honorary mayorship. And I should mention, too, you are, um, I mean, you're just not uh, sort of an investigative journalist, but um, you're, you're, you're in a comedy troupe, aren't you? Uh, a comedy troupe? Not right now, really. I do do comedy here okay. and there. I was okay. with the Groundlings for a few years, and now I've uh, migrated over to UCB a bit. But I don't have, I don't have a troupe right now, no. Okay. UCB, the Upright Citizens Brigade. Yes, sorry. And, yeah. and then they, yeah. And they, they kind of, they... As sort of like like maybe like Second City in Chicago kind of like fed SNL in like maybe the seventies and eighties, Upright Citizens Brigade. They're they're a bit of like a feeder school, if you will, for SNL or something like that, aren't they? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like that's not what they would say their primary function is, but yeah, um, definitely there are lots of alum from a lot lots of SNL alum who studied at. Both of those places at UCB, right. at Groundlings, uh, Second City, Iowa West. Yeah, there's a few few little comedy schools that that SNL seems to turn to for their best stuff. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it's it's interesting how you kind of sort of use your um, kind of I mean your 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 training to I mean probably not only in your investigations but but also I mean even on the podcast itself like when you kind of have to sort of you know, do voices and imitate who, you know, the people <laughs> you're talking with. And it's just, you, you, you and, you and Ross have a great way of sort of just, you know, switching into their character or something like that. Oh, thank you. I'll have to tell Ross you said that because he's very proud of his L. Ron Hubbard voice. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and Ross, he's, um, he's your, your partner in crime and he's, uh, he, he does something with the computers or something, doesn't he? He's, he does some of the computers, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he works in, he works for Disney Animation and he, uh, he's done a few different things. So he was a technical director on, uh, some previous films and, uh, now he works in the training department at Disney Animation. So all the new recruits who come in to learn their software and, um, yeah, be folded into the Disney family. He trains them. It's one of he's one of the first faces they get to see, and it's a very friendly face. Right. And he, and he, I mean, I mean, I, you know, you're pretty brave yourself, but but I mean, where he's like kind of being kind of followed by some thick neck Scientology thug, you know, <laughs> and he's just sort of like. No, you can't actually have my camera. That's my personal property. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, Ross is pretty unflappable. I think, you know, mostly for good, occasionally for bad. Maybe he's not scared where maybe he should be. But, uh, but, <laughs> for the, but for the most part, yeah, I'm like so glad that Ross is so courageous because I I think I'm a pretty brave person, but every once in a while I'll hit my limit and be like, ah you know what? I'm not going to do that. And Ross will still be like, what? You're not going to do that? Well, I'm going. So I always, <laughs> I always get to uh, experience it through Ross, like, like everybody else. But uh, yeah, I usually, I guess, do it with him, but every once in a while, yeah, for Scientology, there were some times where I was like, you know, I'm going to go get a burrito, but you go ahead and go to that, that meeting, Ross. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, well I mean, near the end of the show let's kind of come back to some of that but uh, we, we should sort of get into the the your favorite conspiracy yes okay sure. or, well, i guess we should mention first where you live you live uh i live in the hollywood california area right okay yeah um so shall i tell you what it is yes yeah, yes yes well, i would okay. say for the magic of podcasting gosh carrie what is what is your favorite conspiracy gosh carl it's uh the killing of the Black Dahlia, and specifically whether a doctor named Dr. George Hodel did it. Okay, all right, Black Dahlia. And I think as I said an email, in email, we're talking about the topic. I'm like, yeah, I think anybody, maybe anybody under the age of 40 and not in the Los Angeles area, it might, that might be kind of, they have never heard of that or may not know about it, but... Uh... That's so funny. I I thought of it as just universally famous but of course i am i am a mile from where her killing may have taken place yeah there you go <laughs> yeah sort of it's you know like there's some like historical unsolved crimes like jack the ripper and black dolly is sort of another one where you know hobbyists kind of like pour over exactly yeah 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 and you can take tours here in hollywood to go see where she was um uh, dismembered and uh, found by the police. But yeah, basically she was this woman of sort of unknown origin, this young, beautiful woman um, 
who may or may not have been involved in sort of call girl status prostitution. And, um, and one day she just went missing and her roommates didn't know where she went. And then her body turned up in a park and she had been dismembered in this very almost OCD clean way. So her, her body was segmented and all the blood had been drained and all the um, entrails have been sort of pushed up neatly inside of her as if she were just a few small packages. <laughs> and uh, and it was just, it, they never figured out who her murderer was. And it was always so peculiar, you know, who not only killed her, but then took the time to sort of wrap her up with a pretty little bow. And why did they do that? And um, one of the the prime suspects at the time, although we didn't know that until recently, was this guy named George Hodel. Okay. And he was a, a doctor in the area. And the reason that I know his name is because his son, who was an LAPD officer, hmm. later uh, later came to believe his father was the killer, uh, didn't know his father was a suspect, and then went and opened the cold file and found his father's name in it. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's a pretty extraordinary story. Uh, it turns a little absurd when you <laughs> when you close Black Dahlia Adventure, Steve Hodel's book about his father. Okay. You close that, you go and you Google it like anybody would, and you find out, oh, he also believes his dad was the Zodiac Killer. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> on, on, on the subject of Google, I will say, uh, if you Google Black Dahlia and then click the Images tab, now, now maybe it's, the the you know the non safe search setting I have but uh -huh. but it is it is profoundly gruesome what yes. you will see so be you know be beware uh, look over your shoulder make sure your coworkers aren't looking at what you're googling because <laughs> be like they'll be talking about you in the lunchroom but uh, <laughs> especially if they don't know who the black dahlia is which yeah. apparently is most people yes exactly so anyway so yeah so um so so the so the, so the son also thinks he's the dad's the zodiac killer. That's right. So his dad has passed away now. Um, but yeah, he believes his dad was the Zodiac killer and also performed some other small, <laughs> small murders, uh, murders for whom he didn't get a nickname. Um, yeah, that he just sort of was this career criminal and got away with it. And um, his son theorizes that it's because his dad was one of the few people, a few doctors who would hook people up with abortions at a time when abortion was illegal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so he was sort of um, treated, uh, given special treatment by the police department because he had hooked some police department's um, uh, wives or their mistresses up with abortions when they needed them. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Right. And, and the Zodiac Killer, sort of briefly, what, uh, what what was the deal with the Zodiac Killer? You know, I'm not very learned on the Zodiac Killer, so I really couldn't tell you. When I when I looked that up and found that, I just had such a deep, eye-rolling moment that I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> I can handle this. I kind okay. of walked away for a minute. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't, I don't feel very learned on the Zodiac oh, Killer. Okay. But he was in a completely different part of the state. I believe he was in San Francisco, which is... Um, I mean, California's huge, right? So it's mm -hmm. like se it's like seven and a half hours from here. So, right, right, um, yeah, yeah. you know, seems unlikely, but what do I know? But yeah, yeah, because I mean, the uh, the Black Dahlia. I mean, he the right he sort of the the killer sort of like cut her in half, basically, right? And, mm -hmm. and did right. some other pretty awful mutilations. But but um, and but it was you, that was the only kind of murder like that like you you would you know usually you sort of think maybe it's like okay i'll i'll do it again and i'll do it again or something like that like like a sort of a serial killer but this this person only seemed to maybe right there one is and done. some yeah possibly there is some potential connection to this other murder called i think the lipstick murder okay. um uh that uh again his son uh thinks he's connected to um, and in that one, this woman was killed and a message was written on her in lipstick. And as I recall, like the lipstick was pressed into her so that the skin became raised. It almost looks like a scar in mm -hmm. lipstick. Um, and uh, there's, we're digging deep here, but there is <laughs> there is an artist named Man Ray. Yeah, a yeah. Surreal, okay, a surrealist artist um, 
who George Hodel was both friends with and a huge fan of. And apparently the, the way that uh, the Black Dahlia victim was laying and the lipstick victim was laying are both almost imperfect uh, uh, mirror of man ray paintings. Oh, okay. so, never heard of that theory before. Yeah, uh, and, and you know, I mean, it's kind of hard to tell, right? Because it's like, okay, her her arms are over her head. Yeah, <laughs> you know, <I'm> like, <laughs> right. <laughs> right? It could be, it could not be, but that's sort of part of his way of fleshing out like what his uh, his dad's crazy motivations might have been. Right. Okay. Right. And so, maybe, so the you know one of the conspiracies is maybe that the the, the police were. Uh, were sort of protecting the, the 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 killer because he also had the the, the goods on them, right? Uh, the, he had the goods on them, but also more, I think, just they didn't want it to be him. Is is I mean, this is the theory, right? That they right. didn't oh, want okay. didn't want it to it didn't they liked him? He had helped right. them. Um, yeah, he's just sort of on the inside with the cops, um, and apparently there are some documents showing certain police officers saying later on, oh yeah, the Black Dahlia case was solved. It was this doctor who lived on Franklin Avenue, which is where George Hodel lived. So there definitely were people who, who said, oh yeah, it was definitely this guy, but it was never officially, never officially went to trial. Right, okay. And and it was kind of the, um, you know, sort of the, uh, what was it like, sort of like the, uh, was it William Randolph Hearst? Didn't he make a lot of hay over this or something? It, 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 was, it was a sort of a crime that was, kept alive a lot to sort of sell papers or something, wasn't it? Uh, I know it was one of the first really sensational murders. Uh, I couldn't tell you exactly like which papers, yeah, okay. made a big deal out of it. I, you know, although this is probably my favorite conspiracy theory, I'm not the kind of person who has like a really good mind for retaining those kinds of details. Right, right. Okay. Um, yeah. So, and actually, which I think is kind of an interesting thing about conspiracy theories. I think part of the reason that they work is that, they kind of overwhelm you with information to the point that you're just like, sure, sounds right. Yeah. (laughs) Right. There's just so much. Right. uh, Ross and I went to a nine 11 truther meeting a few times. And although I did not come to believe that the U S government orchestrated the events of nine 11, um, I could imagine someone just sitting there and being like, Shit, I could never debunk all of this. So maybe you're right. <laughs> well, that's if you because you did mention that you know Ross would be a good guess for sort of nine eleven truth yeah. conspiracy. But yeah, if you do look at like you know the topics I've done over the years, I've always avoided nine eleven mostly because that, that's that's the reason. There's just so much crap that so much. yeah, there's so many different rabbit holes you have to go down, and it's just like oh, I just don't have the you know. I mean. I, I, you've probably encountered this too, where you're kind of maybe sort of talking to some of these people, or you sort of emailing them, and you sort of, you know, you lay out a pretty good case, and then then they just, you know, the their response is usually, I mean, they usually ignore whatever you say, and it's just like this long unbroken paragraph of text, and it's just, and you just look at it and go, oh god, yeah, all this crap you put in here, and it's just, where oh, did I even start? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And actually, this is reminding me of something I've reflected on a lot lately with L. Ron Hubbard, which is that there's just so much information there that he kind of covered his tracks by having so many tracks. Yeah. It's, like, it's like the opposite of Hansel and Gretel. Instead of like looking for those two crumbs of bread, the entire forest is covered in bread. So <laughs> yeah. you're just never going to find what you're trying yeah. to find. Yeah. Um, yeah, kind of the same thing with conspiracies. There's just so much, it's hard to know where your leads are. Well, yeah. And and uh, what, what what I mean, what kind of people you, you said you sort of see like the Black Dahlia tours and stuff like that? Like, uh, what, yeah. yeah. What what kind of people join those those tours? Well, uh, you're talking to one of them. Uh, oh, okay. Right. <laughs> so, well, there there are a couple companies that do that. There's one here in LA that I really like called Esoturic, and they're um, a little more about the forensic science and um, uh, looking at these things with. I don't think too vulgar and I, they're not like just out there to sort of make, uh, make you feel creepy and charge you $50. Right. Okay. They're, yeah, they're more looking at like, well, what is the evidence here? Um, uh, they're very careful to give distance to families and, um, things like that. There's uh, another company that I'm not disparaging because I've never 
gone on it, but mm. uh, there's another one called uh, Dearly Departed Tours. Okay. And that seems, um, uh, for good or bad, to be a little more of the like, yeah, we're, we're embracing the creepy factor of this. Um, and their, their tours are really, really popular. I know they do one that goes up to the Manson Ranch, which is a mm. good hour and a half north of here. Um, yeah, and comes all the way down and like looks at all the Manson places. Uh, and yeah, I think their biggest tour is the Black Dahlia tour. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. and what uh, I mean, what would sort of the the appeal of the the Black Dahlia to to people? Yeah. Oh God, there's so much there to unpack. Um, <laughs> I think there's always been a little bit of. Um, a sort of push and pull outlook on the aspect of this being a young woman with mm-hmm. uh, a so-called sexual deviant past um, that, you know, that's, that's the story for like half of our horror movies, right? Is right, right. The, the woman who deigned to have sex. But, yeah. um, <laughs> so I think that's, that was probably part of it early on. And now there's, there's kind of this fun, uh, but harried culture of trying to solve all these cold cases now, which mm-hmm. is really interesting. All these independent uh, investigators, um, both professional and amateur, who have cropped up and are like, we're going to solve the thing from, you know, 1930 that never got solved. And I think this is one of those where it's just, if you could solve it, it God, you'd be remembered forever. That, that's I, true, yeah. I mean, yeah. The, the name itself, Black Dahlia, Starts off with a good name. If it was just sort of like Jane in the bushes, like that would just, like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, whatever. Next, you know, but Jane in the bushes. Yeah, they locked into a good. Uh, they locked into a pretty good name. But I mean, what what was what? Why Black Dahlia? What was the significance of, of that's, that? That's a great question, and I'm trying to remember. I want to say it has to do with a brooch she's wearing in one of the few photos of her. Because there were there was really very little information about this woman, um, and there were only a few precious photos of her for the police to look at and compare to, uh, you know, any other evidence. And I believe in one, she has a brooch in her hair. That's, uh, that's a Dahlia and she had very black hair. Oh, so okay. I think that's it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, just, just to flesh this out. She was a young white woman. Um, uh, very like typical Hollywood studio look, very glam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I mean, is there is there the um, you know like one of the theories isn't it like she um, um, you know she, someone in Hollywood killed her like she knew too much or something like that or oh good question obviously I'm an expert no <laughs> <laughs> I don't know you know I really didn't even know much about this case until I read Black Dahlia Avenger and then obsessed over that one theory oh, okay. I know there are some. Uh, some celebrities who were like accused of murdering her. I think Orson Welles is one, which is right, yeah. hilariously <laughs> strange. Um, yeah, but uh, no, you know, I really couldn't tell you what the other theories were. I'm a really good conspiracy theorist. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the uh, so the you know the son who who sort of thought, figured his 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 dad was was the killer. Like, what, were, what was some of the evidence that he he sort of put together? Yeah. So his. Uh, a couple of his primary pieces of evidence that I found compelling and memorable were his dad's handwriting is remarkably like the handwriting uh, left with uh, a note with the body and mm-hmm. um, and then notes sent to the police department kind of goading them about it. Those are pretty good matches. Oh, I have a doorbell. Would you hang on? Okay, yeah, yeah, sure. Sure. Hey, welcome back. Sorry about that. No, no problem. Um, what were we saying? Oh, uh, the, the the dad, or some of the dads, uh, oh, or, yes. or the son, he, the, the, the handwriting was similar. Yeah, 
Yes. Okay. So then, um, uh, one of the notes sent to the police was written on this particular type of surgical paper, and they discovered that that kind of paper hadn't been made or sold in the U.S. for years. And so mm. they were like, "Oh, great, perfect." Uh, so they're like trying to trace down who might have this paper. Never found anyone who sold it, uh, but. The son was like, I recognize that paper. My, it was my dad's favorite surgical paper. He would buy it uh, when he was in somewhere in Asia. He would buy it in huge yards and bring it home. We had it in our basement, and he still had art that he had made as a child and drawn on that paper. Right. Yeah. And I mean, um, to I mean, you know, the 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 way the woman was sort of cut up and you know, put back together or whatever. Clearly the person either had some sort of medical training or was a, you know, a butcher or something like that. Oh yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, that goes back to that whole, her being so clean and everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I would have, if I wanted to bleed a body, I would have no idea how to do it. Um, very, it would be very frantic Googling. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, the, the, they were they were pretty sure that it was a, a medical professional of some kind, or yeah, like you say, an undertaker, a butcher, or something like that. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah you yeah. sort of feel as like kind of a skeptic in research that that you know if the police ever went through your your, your browser history, they could pretty much pin any kind of murder <laughs> on you. Yeah, I thought about that too. Uh, you know, I was researching something the other night. And see now I don't even remember why. And I and I typed in something like, uh, "What's the lethal amount of such and such a drug?" And then I thought, "Oh my God! I hope no one near me dies of you know that drug or <laughs> exactly. this is it for me." <laughs> exactly. It's just it's just sometimes you're just it's not even you're researching something. You're just you're just curious. You're just like yeah. you know like exactly like you know like how many cats would a person have to eat before they died or something like right. that. Right. <laughs> I don't know. And you're but... like, please, please, don't let any cats near me die. Yes, exactly. I don't know. Yeah. Sorry. So, yeah. So, so the so the sun. So uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the surgical paper. That sounds pretty pretty compelling. What are, what are what were some of the other? Um, uh, so his first his first inkling that made him like, oh, this is weird. Was he was looking through his dad's stuff and he found uh, his dad only had a few photos, like in a photo album. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, there were pictures of uh, his own mom, so George Hodel's wife, uh, and, you know, extended family, people that all, all of whom he knew who they were. And then there was this one photo of this young woman, and he said he looked at it and immediately was like, whoa, isn't that the Black Dahlia victim? Hmm. Okay. Um, so he thinks that it's like a very clear match. Some of her family has been like, eh, it could be her, could not be her. It's not right. really clear. So that's not, you know, uh, yeah, okay. yeah, not the nail in the coffin. Um, what else? What else? Uh, oh, his dad, this is stuff he uncovered later as the cold case file was open, but um, his dad was the prime suspect and his house was actually bugged while he was the suspect. And um, and he was just openly talking about how, like, they clearly think I murdered the Black Dahlia, and so what if I did? And he didn't say, I did. Right, but, right. But they have recordings of him just, like, sort of playing with them. It seems like he probably knew he was bugged. Right, okay. Um, but but kind of creepy stuff to say. Like, <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. like, and I didn't. I right. did not kill her. Um, so that's all strange. Uh... Oh, and uh, then it was either last year or the year before, um, Steve Hodel was getting really frustrated with being accused of being a crazy person and uh, took it upon himself to hire some forensic scientists to go to the ha- to his old house where he believed she was murdered and um, and just see if there was evidence of human remains there. Mm-hmm. And so, so first they brought a dog who was, like, trained to sniff for such things. The mm-hmm. dog identified four sites that could have human remains. And then they brought in a chemist, and the chemist said, definitely there are human remains that um, uh, composed in the last, I think it was 20 to 100 years, mm-hmm. which is, is, is a match. Um I always wonder, I read that and then wondered, like, hmm, what are the odds of that? Like, I would like you to also test the house next door and just see if you get the same thing. Uh, So I really don't know, like, what the, you know, the deviation would be there. But 
Um, yeah, I mean, I'll definitely don't. Yeah, I mean, it definitely keeps the door open for me. Right. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, the uh, I mean, the, the sort of the downside about these sorts of things, it, it's like kind of watching almost any sort of documentary. Like, you know, documentaries are about convincing you of their point of view and mm-hmm. and um, you know let's say like the making of a murderer documentary you know mm-hmm. and it's like okay wow you know that guy is just innocent but then you kind of read the other side and you're like oh okay well yeah they, oh yeah yeah they really yeah they didn't mention that other thing and boy that oh yeah Stephen Avery totally did it yeah exactly <laughs> and then you're kind of like, yeah oh we're gonna get letters but um you know but but yeah and then you're like oh yeah he was yeah, he was kind of real creepy with her, you know, like, oh, yeah. yeah, and then you're, yeah, you mentioned that, so, yeah, I mean, that, yeah. that's sort of the problem, but sort of a, a, you know, book written from a certain point of view, I mean, did you ever encounter any, anything that sort of, you know, looked, you know, sort of looked sort of, a, a, sort of skeptically at his claims? Yeah, a little bit, um, so I know that some of the existing police officers on that case, some of them were like, oh, this is ridiculous, I read the book, Uh, it doesn't Mm -hmm. match up with the evidence I've seen. They didn't really go into detail. I think they kind of treated it the way um, a professional skeptic might treat um, an anti-evolutionist. It was sort of like, oh, come on, this is so silly, I'm not going to deal with it. Right. Um, right. So there is some of that, you know, take from that what you will. Uh, There was at least one family member of the victim who was like, oh, I don't buy this for a second. That photo just doesn't look like her to me. Mm-hmm. Okay, fair enough. Um, uh, but then there were there are also like some people who are currently in the LAPD who are like, yeah, that's my first suspect. Uh, he's dead, so it's not really high on my priority list, but he's <laughs> the most likely right, person. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah so it's, it kind of seems like it's kind of um, uh, outlived its... It's uh, importance to the police department, which makes it a little harder for anybody to get really up in arms about it. But um, yeah, def- definitely the the I believe my dad is also the Zodiac killer is definitely the thing that set off a light bulb in my head. Like, okay, great assault for this guy. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, it's I remember a, a while ago there was this woman she wrote a sort of a history of like um, sort of like like sort of American kind of black projects or something like that you know for the for the air force and 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 uh and it was you know it was just quite a well-researched just great history and then her last chapter is like oh yeah by the way you know the ufos are really just sort of like you know a russian you know anti-gravity ships no. they, yeah, yeah just completely like and people are just like what <laughs> like, like, oh, you know no. rip out that last chapter and you just got kind of a really good well-researched history about some american <laughs> sort of you know black projects in the you know the 50s and 60s and then suddenly the whole ufo phenomenon is like or it was like nazi anti-gravity ships or something it was just it was, just, it was oh, no. yeah it was totally bizarre yeah exactly that kind of thing where you're sort of going yeah yeah okay okay and then just boom <laughs> right yeah. off the deep end yeah Absolutely. I mean, this is something that you definitely have to like stay skeptical about. I really enjoy diving into these things and asking, well, could it be true instead of, you know, is it probably not true? I think it's just a more fun way to look at life. But uh, but all that said, you know, if you're actually trying to convict someone or find the, you know, the end all be all answer, skepticism is obviously going to get you further. Yeah. I mean, these like like the sort of the Jack the Ripper case, and and you know these things aren't ever really going to be solved. Like they're just not. I mean, unless something turns up and somebody's writing, like here's a picture of the Black Dahlia and a, and a, and a confession letter, and it's you know right. a date and established. You know, you know, yeah. Or, or maybe there's some DNA evidence that they eventually they they, they find. Yeah, a lot of these things are just they're just never going to be solved, and and that might be the ultimate appeal right is that you're you can't actually be wrong you know right and i think it's kind of a way that we can look at death from enough distance uh historically that you know most of her her family are gone or at least her immediate family are gone so it's kind of a nice way that you get to like deal with death face death um and kind of have fun with it without hurting anybody and i think that's a pretty normal human healthy way to deal 
you know, I did um, university. I did did my my thesis on ur- urban legends, and, and the thing that really jumped out at me was um, how most of sort of like you know, what I called it the horrific urban legends. Um, a lot of like the the say the the victim always tended to be a, like a young woman, and and mm-hmm. and and I kind of had sort of an idea that that um, for for my thesis that. Um, you know, urban legends kind of are sort of maybe meant to sort of transmit some, you know, useful advice. Like, you know, don't uh-huh. don't go making out with your girlfriend by a museum or by a, you know, a prison for the criminally insane. You know, just right. you know, the, <laughs> right. you know, stuff you can take home and you know really put in <laughs> practice. But but uh, you know, and, and and so that you know that that you know if it happens to a young woman, that kind of makes it more horrific and maybe that makes then the story more believable and it, it mm-hmm. uh, gets transmitted and I, I i didn't find that but that was my hypothesis and i the, the data forced me to reject my hypothesis but um, oh interesting yeah so yeah. did you do you have an alternative hypothesis now no <laughs> oh, all right cool, no cool. I, I just i'm just like Hey, give me, give me, give me my BA. I'm, 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 I'm out. <laughs> you know, so uh, that's, I mean, that's a really honest reflection, though. You know, to to be able to say, okay, the hypothesis isn't true. The end. I mean, that's, uh, that's the scientific attitude. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but, um, yeah, but, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, so you know, the Black Dahlia, right? It, that kind of, that kind of thing, right? That where it's, um, yeah, it's it, here's another case of sort of just a, you know, a young woman victim, and and and. Mm-hmm. And there's just, I, I, I don't, it, it's also a bit too like, you know, like, like public shaming, you know, it's, um, mm-hmm. it, it, the subject of public shaming is so rarely a, you know, a six foot four, you know, man, right? It, it tends mm-hmm. to be you know, like, like, like a woman. A six foot three man. Yeah. Six foot, yeah. Six foot three <laughs> man. Like, like there was a, in, you know, in, um, in Canada, you know, our, our donut store, of choice at Tim Hortons. There was a, right. a, a young woman pulls into like a handicap spot, goes, it gets a coffee. Okay. You know, dick move regardless, but some guy is like videotaping her and, you know, she comes mm. back and he's just like, you know, why don't you park in the handicap spot for her? How dare you do that? Da, 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 da. And then she freaks out and, you know, chucks her latte at him and stuff like that and drives away. And, and, and I'm going, okay, you know, yeah, you know, you know, she's kind of, you know, a douche for kind of like, taking up a handicap spot but at the same time i'm like if that was some like again six foot four guy and like a you know f-150 pickup you know mm-hmm. the guy would have not have stopped probably would have not have stopped and videotaped him and you know th- and tried to publicly shame him you know but because it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a young woman you know it's 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 sort of like it's you know open season kind of thing Oh, that's interesting. Well, I I know that. Did you read John Ronson's latest book about public shaming? I, I didn't read it, but I've heard him on a lot of podcasts, kind of talking okay. about it. Yeah, I, I read it. It's great. Um, and he, I mean, his most compelling kind of central story to that book is about a young woman. There are definitely some characters in there who are men who are publicly shamed. But um, yeah, I guess they're usually shamed more in the course of doing their job and doing it wrong rather mm-hmm. than just sort of caught out in the world living their lives doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's yeah. something to that. Yeah, or it's yeah. like the the the, the vocal fry phenomenon where uh, uh-huh. was it, um, this American Life kind of had a bit of a story about it, and you know when when their female hosts you know do this vocal fry thing, oh they get oh, they get they get the letters, but right. then then um, who, who's the host of this American Life? Ira Glass. Ira Glass, right? He sort of you know runs tape, and he's like, I've been doing uh. vocal fry for decades, and not I've never gotten one complaint about my vocal yeah. fry right but then once right. the young women do it, it it becomes this 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 issue or something but um yeah this is a carl feminism hour or something but, <laughs> no uh, that's fine yeah I'll yeah. Take it. yeah just okay people out there stop doing it but um yeah yeah <laughs> yeah oh, so anything else you want to add about the the the, the black doll black dahlia yeah, I wish that I had, you know, like I say, a better memory for all the little pieces of it. But I confess, I think I'm one of those people who gets overwhelmed by the amount of information mm-hmm. in something like this. Um, so, no, I mean, other than that, I would recommend the book. It's mm-hmm. called Black, Black Dahlia Avenger. And whether it's true or false, it's gripping. How, how did you stumble in that book? I'm, I'm holding it right now. Yeah, okay. And I, I think I see evidence of a goodwill sticker 
Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I must have just picked it up uh, at a thrift store. I haven't read his follow-up, his Zodiac Killer book, because I, you know, was so despondent when I wow. found out about it. But actually, I mean... I'm embracing now how that just makes the story even more colorful and interesting. So, um, yeah, maybe after this I'll go pick up the Zodiac Killer book and tell you in a year how that is. Wow. You know, the, the greatest sort of, um, you know, like resale book find I ever found was uh, Graham Chapman wrote like his autobiography called um, A Liar's Autobiography. And it's it, it's hard to sort of tell what's, real and what's sort of fake in his, 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 his autobiography, but it's kind of like him and great Graham Chapman was a, um, from Monty Python. He, um, he, he was trained to be like a medical doctor, became a medical doctor, he got his MD huh. and, but he just was kind of, you know, doing the whole comedy thing, you know, on the side. And then that just, you know, the success, uh. the success never stopped. And so, so he just never really practiced medicine. And, um, but just a really, really fascinating, he died of cancer, unfortunately, but, but a really kind of fascinating, um, uh, book to read. One of the, one of those things you just sort of, you know, pick up for a dollar and you're kind of like, what is this book? And like, oh, Graham Chapman wrote an autobiography. Oh. And are yeah. you saying that there's some like questionable things in there? You're not sure what's true? Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, I mean, it, it's uh, you know, you, I think he admits that you know, it's like, well, you know, some of it's real, some of it's not. Just, oh, okay, okay, whatever. Gotcha. Just shut up and read the book, you know, that kind, uh-huh. of, kind of thing. But yeah, I remember when uh, what was it called? A million little pieces, I think it was called. That book that came out ten years ago now that was it was a memoir, and it turned out that he had lied about most of it. Oh, Do you recall this? Yeah, right. Yeah, it was an Oprah, Oprah or something like that. Yes. Oprah book yeah. Or... And... Yeah, Oprah promoted his book, then had him back on when he was found out, and uh, he said that he wanted to kill himself. Like it, it was actually mm-hmm. kind of an early example of what we call public shaming now. Um, but I once I knew that the book was at least you know partly fake, I thought it was so much richer, and more mm-hmm. interesting. I was like, gosh, I wonder which parts of this are made up, and that became <laughs> part of the mystery of the book, which I don't know. I thought kind of added to it. Yeah, it's like it's like if you if you go through my Yelp reviews, like like half of it's just sort of made up kind of thing. And oh, great! <laughs> yeah. I'm sure I'm sure your dentist would love to know that. <laughs> that butcher. <laughs> you know, I, I never 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 had a cavity before, but then last time I went to oh, the you dentist, piece of shit. yeah, well, no, uh, you know, I got my comeuppance. Finally, I had a cavity, and then I'd have it filled, and and my tooth hurt for like three weeks after. I'm like. I don't know, just yeah. one of those, you know, like, oh my God, I'm mortal. Oh my God. <laughs> it all caught up to me with one cavity. It's oh my. Oh, I have um, five cavities that need filling, so. Well, well, dentists aren't covered by our public health insurance either, so. so yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got good benefits, and then with my girlfriend through her benefits, it tops that up and blah, blah, blah. But uh, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, but yeah, but dental sort of like, yeah, that's not covered. That's the big. That's the big fight in Canada now. We're still just trying to keep everyone from shooting each other, and you guys are like, "Can we get fillings?" Yeah, yeah, I know what's going on there. And it's like, was that was that, that that meme about like Canada or something? And like no, you know, I forget what the, what the meme was, but it's something about like no alligators and no mass murder and. And I'm like, you know, we don't have alligators, but we do have polar bears. So you have to watch the polar bears from. Oh, first. do you have polar? Yeah, I guess you must. Well, not not in my part of Canada, but but sure. there there are definitely parts in Canada where you know normal people live, not not like mm-hmm. crazy people, and and you know, and they have to look out for polar bears. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But uh, which part of Canada are you in? Oh, a Toronto. Well, the Toronto area. I, I, okay. I, I used to live in Toronto, but I sort of moved out to like kind of like a suburb with with my girlfriend in Burlington. I've been to Toronto. What what? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Lots of veggie dogs in Toronto. Yeah, okay, yeah. I'm not a vegetarian myself. Like I, I enjoy. Well, still though, yeah. your city is full of veggie dogs. Yeah, you can go like the the hot street dogs, like the yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you definitely get because here, if there's like if there's a hot dog stand, it doesn't have veggie dogs. It would be uh, it's very okay. unusual for it to. And if it does, everyone's like, "Whoa, veggie dogs!" Right. And, okay. But when I went to Toronto, every stand. Have veggie dogs. 
It's flown away. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was. But that unfortunately, that's kind of like the extent of our our street food. It's 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 rather depressing. Mm-hmm. It's like like mm-hmm. hot dogs, hot dogs, and more hot dogs. The, the the city of Toronto they tried to um tried to sort of expand the whole food cart and food truck thing, and they just screwed it all up. It, it's like the the city's got all these squabbling city councillors that can never agree on anything, and it's it's, mm. it, it's a travesty, but... Oh, yeah. It sounds really rough up there. <laughs> oh, it's... Yeah, yeah, exactly. I know. It's, yeah. But, uh, but kind of come back to your, 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 your podcast, the... Um, you know, the the one thing I kind of liked about your uh, your whole Scientology thing was um, uh-huh. the one thing, huh? Yeah, oh, yeah, the one, yeah, the, the one <laughs> thing, the of uh, the, the many things I sort of liked was the um, you you guys never really went beyond your own experiences, like like you mm. know, like like you didn't get into the whole like Xenu, and you, you just sort of reflected upon it based on how what you experienced. Yeah. Yeah, I I think that's something that our show is well positioned to do is there's usually when you're talking about a a fringe group, for example, you get two perspectives. You either get the former members, well, I guess three, the former members perspective, the church's official perspective, or the sort of overview, historical, let's take everything we can into account. Mm -hmm. And I think what our show is able to do is take this sort of middle position of what is the average person experience when they go in, they don't dig deep, they don't become a member forever. Um, But what would it be like to just go in off the street and be there for a few weeks? Um, And I think that's kind of a, a nice way to to get in between neutral and non-neutral in a good way um i hope that we get to keep doing that as they keep figuring out who we are we'll see but yeah i mean it was almost creepy where you were talking about how you were doing um you know you you, you had sort of friends who were like like oh could you could you audit me and then you know it's going on and on they're like this is so boring i just want to kind of end it and and, and you're mm-hmm. just like the only way to ended is get through it or something you you, uh-huh. you you just sort of fell into the 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 uh the, the scientology sort of tone of voice or something it was like it was like it, it was it was almost creepy <laughs> yeah I, I you know i i was just thinking last night i wonder if there's anything where we'll go native and one of us will have to like save the yeah. other yeah. um <laughs> yeah that's true yeah you have to have a uh just have a just hire a sniper right and just sort of have a sniper trained on you guys at all the time and just like right. if you ever see this happen just put a bullet in us and oh jeez <laughs> seems like an extreme response but maybe at least pull us out wow. um yeah i uh because i'm always hoping that i'll have some sort of neat transcendent experience um because you know you hear about people falling into trances or seeing Jesus appear to them. And these are all things that I believe really happen to people, even if the explanation is physiological. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to have those things happen to me, but that also means, uh, you know, I could, I could think they're real. Maybe I would go, go native because I'm not any stronger than, than these other people. So I always wonder like, well, what will happen if I actually get to have one of those experiences I so desperately want to have? But you, you see, but you, you got you got fed well with the Sikhs, right? Oh yes, the Sikhs. Who very good Indian vegetarian food. No, oh, okay. Have, have you, yeah. did you did you have any of their uh, like their their desserts or their sweets? Yeah, they have. I forget what they're called, but those um, those balls that are made of like uh, it's like a wheat flour and then soaked in rose water. Yeah, I I, I can't. I all all um all sort of Sikh uh sort of. Uh, sweets just they sound like poisons in dune or something like that but <laughs> but yeah 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 they have a gomdra bar or something like that <laughs> yeah those are those, those are good yeah. Really good. yeah 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 delicious they also have you eat um this this sort of oat uh, sweet oatmeal that's their holy meal that's actually given out during the service oh, and okay. that's uh, that's rather desserty also okay yeah and there were there was like a really brutal mass killing by some racists at a Sikh temple a number of years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I want to say that was like 2012. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think there was some discussion about whether those people thought they were at a mosque, the the shooters. That's a problem with racists, right? And especially, yeah. Especially the poor Sikhs, right? Because they, 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 they look like, to a racist, they look like 
you know, the, right. their stereotype of like, you know, a Muslim terrorist or something. Right. Yeah. Not that one would necessarily be better or worse than the other, but, uh, you know, uh, no one should get killed over their religion. Exactly. Uh, surprise. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, racism is just so, I, I mean, at its core, it's just, we're going to lump as many things together as I can. So I don't have to think too hard. And then, you know, you end up lumping people together who you didn't even mean to. Yeah. You know, my, my, where I sort of grew up, Windsor, it's kind of, um, you know, sort of every big sort of immigrant refugee kind of wave in Canada always sort of, you know, they, they went through Windsor. Windsor was always kind of a, because it's right next to Detroit. And so it's kind of like, well, we could have best of both worlds, America and Canada. And, 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 um, and so a lot of sort of, refugees will, will, will pick Windsor. And so, you know, mm-hmm. one of sort of growing up is just, I mean, the only thing you could get in Windsor was Italian food. It's like, you know, pizza or lasagna, pizza or lasagna. And then, you know, then we got like the Vietnamese boat people and we, you know, we got, um, uh, you know, like, like Lebanese and, you know, and the, all these, you know, Ethiopians and, and, and the, the food in Windsor just got like so awesome. And, and I oh, think, nice. and I'm just like, you, you know, it's just gonna eat boiled chicken. If we don't, if we don't have if we don't have refugees and, and immigrants, we're just we're just gonna be all we're just gonna be still eating boiled chicken, you know. So it's like like why can't you just see? And I, as I always say, on this, <laughs> why can't you just see for your own gastrointestinal pleasure that it is good to have others? Exactly. And as I always say on this podcast, you know the the one. You know, the one sort of like, you know, waves of immigrants we don't get are like Mexicans. And, and we have mm. terrible Mexican food in Canada. And I'm always like, just yeah. please uh, send us your Mexicans. We just, we, <laughs> des- we desperately need them. Oh, well, that's interesting. Yeah, because our country is not terribly good at being kind to them. Yeah, I know. I know. We would we would love them here. So, <laughs> Well, if I, if I talk to anybody who's getting kicked out, uh, I'll, I'll let them know. Yeah, send them Canada's way. Tell them they'd be highly appreciated here. I'll say, all you have to do is immigrate thousands of miles. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there should be no cold, problem. Colder, yeah. That's okay. that's a downside. Yeah, what did you, when you, you were sort of investigating Scientology, I mean, what, what did you sort of detect, like me, what, what would be an appeal? Like, why are people joining or... or... Yeah, you know, it's it's really interesting. I actually think that each group offers something completely different, and each group probably kind of excels at recruiting a certain type of thinker. And I don't think I'm the type of person that Scientology gets. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm, uh, I, for one thing, just like more into personal interaction. I think that Scientology, a lot of it is just sort of... Um, study and staying by yourself and figuring out the technology and obsessing about the technology mm-hmm. and um uh and it's not like that much about the community so i think that it's probably really good for people who love rules i mean that sounds like who loves rules but mm-hmm. but you know people who need structure um especially people who have been from backgrounds where there wasn't much structure or right. guidance right we, we met one young woman who was about 18 who had, who just had a really sad um, backstory. And it totally made sense to me that she loved it there because she had been through shit and she had, she had just never had anyone to guide her or tell her, you know, how to live her life and be a successful person. Mm-hmm. So then this group comes in and says, well, if you follow every single one of these these rules like not only will you be successful you will clear the universe I mean, <laughs> exactly. geez, of course, yeah of course sign up right away so I, I really think that with a lot of these these fringe groups they they call people at their lowest they okay. find you when you know you're you're the most in need and then there are just certain personality types that each each group draws and if you happen to be the right person at the right time in you go well, and why, why like they, they got the celebrity priesthood? I mean, what what is why why so many celebrities? Yeah, I actually I have a theory about that, and this isn't uh, you know ironclad at all. But I think there's two Scientologies. I think there's the Scientology for the celebrities, or might soon be celebrities. Mm-hmm. And then there's the Scientology for the masses. And I really think that a lot of celebrities just don't even know what the average experience of the Church of Scientology is. So then they right. hear these these awful stories and they're like, that has to be made up. Right, I had right. nothing like that happened to me. 
but they see that you know I, you Tom Cruise even meeting him when he was 20 it had to be just like yeah you're immensely talented and and handsome and yeah you're gonna go places why not treat you like a king right. um uh so yeah I think I think they've got a very clever kind of racket going on there yeah well it's like the um like 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 Mormons and the, the temple ceremony like I mean before Mormons have gone to this temple ceremony you know they they you know, they hear stories, and, and the temple ceremony is utterly ridiculous. I don't know if you sort of encountered any, any of that, mm-hmm. but, but I mean, people have sort of smuggled in cameras and have put, you know, the temple ceremony on YouTube, and, and you know, and these sort of Mormons who are like, like that, that, you know, that does not happen, and, you know, I've never seen anything like that, and that's mm-hmm. ridiculous, and then it's like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, and the same thing with like uh, going back to Scientology. The same thing with like the Zenu stuff. They mm-hmm. literally will tell you it's not true because they believe that it will ruin you if you know it before you're ready. So even if you are a Scientologist but you haven't reached OT three yet, you'll be told no, no, no. Everyone's lying to you. Of course not. That sounds crazy, doesn't it? Sound crazy to you? Me too. Of course, there's right. no Zenu. And then by the time you're baked into Scientology's pie. Then uh, you finally find out there's just you know very little chance for exit. Yeah. Well, oh, there's my clock. <laughs> well, who's the guy um, where, where he finally got the OT three stuff and he says he's, he's reading it and he's like, okay, this is just a test, right? Like like they're just <laughs> testing you to see like like you know how gullible you are and if I reject this then I pass the test or something like that. Yeah, but, I think that was Paul Haggis. Right. Yeah. 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 But. Um, uh, yeah, he says it on going clear. Right. But I mean, yeah. you, you had a lot of people sort of telling you, no, you're going to be fair game and they're going to destroy you. And, and, <laughs> and it seems yeah. like you have been so far unscathed by this, 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 uh, this adventure. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, it seems like they've changed their tactics a little bit. There definitely are documented stories of them coming after defectors and journalists. Mm-hmm. But I, I think in the modern age, they realize they can't get around it. The information is out and it's only going to make them look worse if they uh, go after the people spreading the information. Um, That said, there are a couple big cases that they are still going after. Like David Miscavige's dad just Mm -hmm. wrote a a biography and they're definitely going after him with all their bells and whistles and money. Right. Yeah. And I mean, just sort of the the nature of, your sort of investigation it wasn't sort of uh it i mean it was it was i mean you said kind things about them and and you weren't like you know you weren't mean or these people are you know psycho criminals and and and, you know you 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 talked about people there you liked and and you know Mm -hmm. you 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 poke some fun at them and and but it it was not it was nothing about it was mean-spirited i mean nothing about Any of your, you know, your, your, your missions are ever mean spirited. It, it, it seems. Well, thanks. Uh, I mean, that's definitely the aim. There are some people who would disagree with you. I think, um, you know, there, there were people from the Ordo Templi Orientis, for example, who did not like our show. Um, but yeah, I mean, the aim is always to understand people on a human level. And I think one thing that differentiates us from some other shows that are like ours is that our our interest is less in proving that they're wrong and more in understanding what's going on there, mm-hmm. um, impro- improving our own understanding and our own curiosity instead of correcting them. Um, Cause yeah, I, I can't think of one group where we didn't meet someone we liked mm-hmm. and in most of them, we like everybody. There'll be maybe one or two jerks at the top, but, but the rank and file are almost always kind people. What was your kind of your your favorite you know, mission? I mean, if, if if it was Scientology, then what was your second favorite? One? Oh no, it wasn't. My my favorite was definitely the Mormons. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, the Mormons are just such kind people. I mean, they're. I don't think they're trained to pretend to be kind. I think they're trained from yeah. a young age in how to be kind, yeah. and um, they were extremely nice to us. And even when we came out to them as reporters and said. You know, we came here because we do the show. Uh, they still said we were welcome back anytime. Right. Yeah. I my door rang again. Hold on. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Okay.
Steven Asak. Hello, sorry. Oh yeah. oh yeah, no, we we can we can definitely wrap up. It sounds like here. <laughs> no big deal. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Well, thanks thanks for coming on, Carrie. And I just got uh, the the my. My, my sort of final question, um, if, you know, if you are someplace and someone's like, you know, geez, I heard you on Conspiracy Skeptic. Can I buy you a drink or what, 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 what could somebody buy you at a, a bar or an event you know, because they <laughs> enjoyed you so question. much on the Conspiracy Skeptic? That's a great question. Do you ask everyone this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, okay. So I love a hot drink. Okay. Uh, so my favorite drinks are like coffees and teas, uh, but with soy milk. If they don't okay. have soy milk, then call it off. Okay. <laughs> uh, my favorite alcoholic drink is a ramen diet okay. or uh, what's it called? A Midori sour. Oh, okay. Yeah. You'll believe how many conspiracy skeptics I get on that are that, that, that don't drink. Oh yeah. What is that? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I, hey, teach his own, but uh, you know. Nope. Nope. I refuse to say to each his own on that. They can <laughs> give me all their alcohol. I will take it. All right, then. Okay, well, I'll let you go. And uh, what, any hints about your, your next mission? Um, let's see. Our next mission will... It, it involves pills, okay. and, it, and it involves intelligence. All right. Okay. All right. <laughs> I will, Good I will luck let, figuring that out. Okay, and and just and the name of your podcast again is is Oh No Ross and Carrie. Oh No Ross and Carrie. Okay, and find it on iTunes. Yay! All right. Okay. Well, thanks a lot, Carrie. Thanks for thanks for coming on. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. Have a good night and get get to your friends. You okay. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye. Bye of the future